Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Sound of La Liga. Tonight, for one night only, it's just myself and Jack. As Dan, being the glory hunter, Barcelona supporter he is, he's also a Barnsley supporter and he went to Newcastle for the weekend and, in fairness to him, he got to see a trophy being lifted. But he's, he's decided to hang on in Newcastle for a couple of days. Look, he's a teacher. God love him. The stress must be killing him. But, as I said, it's myself and... The main man himself, Jack. How are you doing, Chief? I'm very well. How, how are you tonight, Jack? Well, Jack, I'm after witnessing a very, very classy event aside, put your man to go to the swords and seeing them in the Champions League final, seeing them beating Barcelona, they deserve to be there. I, I, I think they've been one of Europe's best teams easily this season. Bloody hell, you're turning us into the Serie A podcast now. <laughs> Ah, uh, credit, credit where it's <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, they they were very good over the two legs, and I I think we were talking about this before we started recording, and um, if there's going to be any team that beats Madrid in the Champions League this season, I like we both agree that it will be Juventus. So I think they're they're our tip to win it. But let's try not be biased towards. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jack, I'll tell you what we do, as per usual. I'm going to lash through the results of the weekend. On Friday, we've seen Sevilla frustratingly held to a one-all draw with Lariel. Sporting beat Las Palmas 1-0 at home. Shock horror. Atleti, very lucky, very lucky to be Eibar 1-0. Barcelona, 4-1 against Villarreal. Granada, nil. Real Madrid, 4 <laughs> <laughs> Alaves won Athletic nil good game that Valencia 4 Osasuna 1 Deportivo 1 Espanyol 2 Malaga 3 De Vigo B nil and Leganes smashing Real Betis 4 nil Jack we had Sevilla the last couple of weeks months even they've shown that they've lost they've lost they've lost something in them now going to Real Having Real Sociedad come to them, for me, when Sarabia scored, it was like Grant, three points, they're back on track. But they just, they don't seem to be able to kill teams off the way they used to anymore. Am I reading into that wrong? Is, has there something happened there? Have they given up? I, look, I, I, I'd assume that they know at the very least they'd possibly, they're in a Champions League playoff. But surely they've got the players must be going... Well, we're not fight at all. Yeah, it's really quite bizarre, and not only is it the inability to to kill teams off in games, but it's also their pretty comical defending. Not just recently, but as you said, for the past few months or so now, it's it's just completely flipped on its head from from the first half of the season, where even though they were still bombing forwards all the time and being absolutely crazy, like. Sam Paoli wants them to, they could still defend. We saw them go to go to Juventus in the Champions League and keep a clean sheet there. They drew 0-0. So we know that they do have the ability to, to defend. But um, we've said this on the pod before, but they, they peaked during that trilogy of matches um, in January against Real Madrid. Ever since then, they've just kind of... The warning signs were there throughout January and February and then kind of late February and March it just went well it went down the toilet basically they they just look well a lot of them just look incompetent at football at playing football I mean the defending for Vela's equaliser on Friday night was ridiculous um, the fact that the ball gets bashed against Enzonzi and then there's nobody there covering him in the box despite L'Areal attacking and then it's just a, a simple goal for, for Vela and there's been a lot of off-field issues um, I mean you you follow South American football and in particular um, kind of the state of the Argentinian game quite closely obviously there's been a lot of reports with Sampaoli being announced as Argentina's new boss come the end of May you've got Munchi leaving um, and is now officially um at his new position in Roma. So everything's just kind of come off the rails for them. And there was, there was a little revival 
where they were winning but struggling. But then these past two weeks, I mean, against Malaga, it, it was the exact same thing where they were just so poor. And that they really are just a shadow of, of what they were in the first half of the season. Like they're fourth at the moment, Jack. That's it now. Atleti at the moment are five points ahead of them. That's it. That's for Toad and Fort. Atleti, Toad. See, Fort. see, but th- this is the thing. For the third and fourth place battle, as it were, is only done and dusted because of Sevilla. Yeah, true. You know, if if they wouldn't have played as poorly as they did against Malaga and La Real, then we'd be sitting here in a position where the the race for who finished in the automatic Champions League spot was going to be really tight and potentially going to the the final day of the season. But they they've just kind of they look like they're on the beach already and already on their holidays. Well, Jack, let's I tell you, Sampali is gone. He is gone. See, so what what's what's happening there? Because there there were reports that he was basically going to try and get himself fired to so as the AFA had to avoid paying a, a buyout clause in his contract. What's like is are they now willing to pay up or is it going to no, be a, a mutual termination between Sevilla and San Paolo? I'd say it'd be mutual in respect that the AFA where the Argentina Football Association, they can't afford to buy out Sampali's clause. Now, the flip side to that is Sampali obviously wants to manage Argentina. Now, if a coach wants to manage another team, that creates an issue. But when a coach wants to manage a national team, the club who he's with, obviously severely, severely pissed off. Why wouldn't you be? But there's not much they can do to stop him. And I'm sure instead of, you know, creating bad blood between anybody, because Sevilla aren't, we say, Sevilla aren't the top three. So whatever happens in that regard, Sevilla are just going to be Sevilla for next season. Anyway. They'll bring in an awful lot of players with new man. Emery could go back. <laughs> You'd never know. But <laughs> we say, we say, we say some parties out, out of the equation. We just say, for instance, he's gone. And obviously with Monchi leaving. But, Let's just take Sampali. Let's just look at Sampali at um, Friday night. I was watching him closely. Sampali was losing his bit every five minutes. He he still wants to do well. It, it clearly shows that Sampali still has the passion for what he's doing in the, in his present situation with Sevilla. I mean, he was pissed off when the goal went in. He was actually going nuts. What, what kind of bothers me is, why aren't the players? I mean, you have... Like that, that 11 Sevilla put out, I was looking at them, it possibly wasn't the strongest 11, but it's still a seriously good side. Is it, and I hate using the cliche, is it inexperience? Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's experience because, okay, some of the players are young, but they've still racked up a lot of minutes so far in their career and made a lot of appearances. And particularly... This season with Sevilla, you know, by now they would be used to to what Sampaoli expects of them, and Sampaoli and um, Juan Malillo, his assistant manager, they're not like you know your average um, coaching staff who you know just kind of lightly prepare for a game and then go in with some vague idea as to what to do. They are intense and. The, the planning and preparation each week going into to each fixture for you know a different plan for every every opponent and realistically at all times on on the pitch a player should know what their their duty is and their role is but with San Paoli and how fluid and free he likes his football there's kind of been there needs to be a, a merge of the two where players understand and take responsibility instead of, particularly defensively, instead of just letting attackers run in behind them and, and run past them, as well as keeping this free-flowing, aesthetically pleasing style of football. I mean, it's, it's difficult to do because it's very physically demanding, but... They're, they're professional footballers and 
I, w- I would have thought that by now, you know, this point into the season, it's not like we're a, we're a few weeks in and they're still adapting to Sampaoli's methods. They they would know what he is expecting them, what he's expecting of them week in week out. So hey, I, I, are you gonna miss them, Jack? Who Sampaoli? No, well, when I say miss them in the sense that are you gonna miss Sampaoli severe for next season? I will because they've they've provided a really good narrative for this season. Um, the first half when they were absolutely incredible and looked like they were going to sustain a title challenge. But then also when they've been shockingly bad the second half of the season, it's still been kind of interesting to to talk about that and analyse that. So yeah, I mean, that, they're a lot of fun to watch. And the thing is, you're, you're never going to have a boring game with this severe side. Every single game there might not be a lot of goals but there is so much attacking play so yeah I, I will miss them a lot yeah it's mirror them sentiments but in fairness to Larial, that draw has themselves in 7th on 62 Athletic in 6th on 62 and Villarreal in 5th on 63 so two games left be very very interesting to see who claims those two automatic Europa League spots but let's move on to a game where Atleti won Eibar nil. I, mean, I don't know about you, Jack, but Chris is well lucky. <laughs> it was it was so poor um, to watch. I mean, the first half wasn't really anything exciting or special. I mean, Thomas impressed the right back again. But, you know, it's against Eibar. Can't really see him starting there in the second leg. Um, just as he didn't start there in the first leg against Real Madrid either. It was a really, really horrible game to watch because you just kind of got the feeling as, you know, the longer the game went on, that Ibar were going to nick a point. And it it just seemed like it was going to be one of those days where Atleti were going to struggle to create and, more importantly, struggle to finish chances. And it would kind of just reinforce this idea that the season is over for us, really. I mean, realistically, not going to come back from the Champions League um, first leg 3-0 deficit against Real Madrid. So, and as we were saying earlier, the the race for third place is effectively done. So there isn't exactly a lot left for these players until the season's over. But then at the same time, you had Simeone on the touchline doing his absolute best, trying to hype up the crowd and hype up the players in preparation for Wednesday night because it's, you know, I mean, you know, they're going to try and overturn the deficit. Not going to be able to do that with a, a half-assed crowd and half-assed players. So it was, it was tough and frustrating, but also very rewarding when Saul scored that lovely goal. It was. It was a really nice finish, and I still can't figure out why Diego Godin was on the left wing. But, <laughs> you know, I'll take it. Um, I mean, it it kind of summed up our season, I think, really. Well, Atleti in towards 10 points behind Barcelona and Real Madrid. Now, we've talked about it a few times on previous pods. It was the start of that season that obviously hindered um, Atleti, the whole change of dynamic. But to come on to Abar, Abar at the moment are eight. Now they can't finish any higher than eight. But that's that's incredible, Jack, isn't it? I mean, not really. Again, we we allude to it every so now and again. They're eight. <laughs> it's it's incredible, and they they started the season really quite strongly, but they've they've done that the season before that and. Uh, the season before that as well, um, they they always had a really strong and promising first half of the season, but then they always kind of faded away in the in the second half where they had the, a thin squad and injuries and fatigue started to catch up with them, and inevitably they ended up being dragged down into a relegation battle. And obviously, in their first season, they were actually relegated and very fortunate to to stay up due to Elche's financial irregularities. But Mendeleebar this season has changed that and he's 
he's changed the narrative surrounding the club and they're, they're now no longer a club that's necessarily looking over the shoulder looking over their shoulder all the time they're they're looking forwards and they're just generally a really positive club at the moment and well why wouldn't you be when you're in the position that they're in and with the the new tv money that comes into effect this summer and some of the players that will be available from from the relegated sides Sergio Leon in particular you know Ibar could potentially not well I mean maybe they could build on this but certainly wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of at a similar position next year Uh, obviously teams around them will strengthen Ibar are a really fun club to be involved with at the moment and I think that will be pulling factor for for some players um, who are looking to to move clubs in the summer I mean it's, it's not the the nicest area of Spain you know you're not near a beach or quite often the, the weather's pretty miserable but just purely from a footballing perspective they're, they're just fabulous I mean there really aren't enough words that that do justice for for what this club has, has achieved yeah well at the moment they're eight they can't go any higher and they can't go any lower than tenth now personally for me I'm kind of glad they didn't get into the Europa uh, you know I'd love them to see them in the Europa but from we say a fan's perspective, because I love Abar, I think Abar are great. I just think fighting on both fronts, the Europa and La Liga, I don't think it would have been fair to put them in a position to expect them to then maintain a La Liga position. But I think you're right, Jack. New money coming in. Yeah, it's not the most glamorous of clubs, but it's arguably the closest any club, any team will get to its fans because... You kind of have to live in the area, so there's that close knit community, and you can see the is it's it's packed out every week. That's <laughs> only fucking five thousand people at it, but it, it's there. It's it's you can, there's no comparison in European football. There's just no comparison. You can't say oh it's like this. It's you just can't do it. It's, but if you really wanted it, it'd be like Sutton United playing in the Premier League week in, week out. And not only playing in week in, week out, competing. I mean, they're eight in La Liga, ahead of Espanyol, Malaga, Celta, Valencia, Las Palmas, Real Betis, Deportivo. And it's not that they're ahead of them. They're well ahead of them, with the exception of Espanyol. And it's, 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 it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. And again, we'll, I'm, happy, I'm happy, to, happy to know they'll be there next season because... They're a lovely club and all the best to them. We're going to move on to Barcelona for Villarreal 1. Personally, I thought this was a, it, was a, it was a clinical performance from Barcelona. Uh, Neymar, the, the first goal, but Cambu getting the second. Mm, was I panicking? Not really. I, I wasn't. Messi, stunning goal. Peno, Luis Suarez. Barcelona are doing what they have to do. And... I suppose at this, this stage of the season, I don't care how they're doing it, two games left, I'd be more than confident of another six points. I suppose, Jack, what more can be said? It, it, it's they're, they're doing what they have to do. Exactly. And that's kind of the key thing for them, really. Just keep putting the pressure on Real Madrid and just pray and hope that they they slip up. I mean, and not just slip up in terms of drawing a game, but Slip up, you know they actually have to lose. We need, yeah, we need a we need a loss now in Madrid's next three games. I mean, they're doing what they need to do, as you said, but surely as a Barcelona fan, you're you're just kicking yourself at some really stupid, stupid losses. Um, you know, Malaga, Depor. I mean, I'd say as an outsider looking in that the the Depor defeat would be harder to take than the Malaga game. I suppose every season you get games. We're again talking off here. You get games every season. Top top teams get them, where you're expected to win and shock horror you lose. Now we were beaten by Alaves near the, the start of the season. Rightly so, Alaves were brilliant on the day. We were just rotten. Coming to the business end of the season, we had Depor beating us again. Should they have beaten us? No, but they did. The Malaga game for me 
was the turning point because I think we went into that game an awful lot more confident and with belief that this is it. We should be beating this. We went a goal down. Neymar getting sent off. It's not putting our season down on Neymar. But that game for me, I'm not one of these to sit back on. Well, what about that goal against Betis that was disallowed? At the end of the day, 38 games. You don't lose a league on silly calls like that. If, if you want to win the league, you have to be consistent. I'm, uh, I'm still hanging in there, Jack. <laughs> well, I suppose that's the only thing you can do, just keep believing. I mean, I would have thought that the Barcelona game, uh, Barcelona, the Depot game would have been kind of the most painful because, okay, you went a goal down, but then Suarez equalised, um, you know, what was it, shortly after half-time? And yeah, but, uh, but you, we... You kind of felt that Barcelona were going to gonna then just kick on. I mean, Depor isn't really a team that they've struggled against recently, especially not at the, the rear thaw. I mean... I, I would have thought that w- that would have hurt most because you got yourselves back into a position where you could have gotten something from that game. But that's that's all Depor have done all season, in my opinion. Throughout the whole season, they have been absolutely dreadful to watch. Really poor. And every so, every so often, you have teams like that who are poor, who just decided one day to turn up. I mean, when you think about it, looking at the league table, that win for Depor against Barcelona is massive. It's huge. Yeah. Well, and so is um, so is the point for, for Leganes against Barcelona. Yeah. Um, it, it, what was it? it like a, a last-minute Messi penalty mm-hmm. to to stop them getting the three points? I mean, so yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've got a point there, to be fair. So when you're looking see again, we, we, we talk about certain things, we talk about them from our own, you know, fans perspective but at the same time you have to kind of realise that the teams were playing they also have their fans as well so look I think this season not that Barcelona have been poor or Madrid have been brilliant I think the level of a lot of clubs in La Liga have has improved massively massively I mean they you just mentioned Leganes Leganes have had some pretty decent results again take away some of them results and they're not in the position they're in at the moment. Deportivo at the moment, 17, 22 points, five points ahead of Spartan. You take three points off, and they're going down to the wire. The wire. So, to be fair, Barcelona, again, I, I'm, I'm an optimist. We've, we've two games left. We've got Las Palmas next. They're gone. Uh, Madrid have Sevilla. Sampali loves Messi. Let's hope he does Messi a favour. But, uh, look... It's it's been close between the two of us. If Madrid do it, they deserve to do it based on consistency. And I don't mean consistency with referees or any of that shit. When you've got a B team, and we'll come on to it, when you have a B team like Real Madrid's, that is just insane. I mean, Granada, Neil, Madrid for... Uh, I'm not going to lie, Jack. I was sitting there, had me bottle of beer in my hand, bit optimistic on you know what this is Tony Adams <laughs> this is Tony Adams Tony Adams masterclass <laughs> fucking 20 seconds here it's like yeah yeah it, it really doing? didn't like, take what, 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 what you do like it's it's you, you don't blame other teams for your own team's downfall but like obviously Jack we've had Osasuna bottom of the league but with Osasuna every single game you're guaranteed entertainment they've actually been involved in one of my favourite games of the season the A-bar game, okay, they've been absolutely pathetic at the back, but Osasuna, there's just, sorry, edit that there, but Granada, they've just been absolutely diabolical to watch. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna go. What can you say, Jack? They're just, I mean, you have, you've Real Madrid's B team, and it, it really was a training session for them. I mean, don't get me wrong. Real Madrid were brilliant on the day. They done what they had to do, and they done it. They they kind of showed the players that were on on the pitch. It's like they were shown Zidane, even though it's only a couple of games left the season. They're shown Zidane. No, pick me, pick me. Oh, you know they they they're shown Zidane hunger and fight. Yeah, and um, it it kind of reminded me of the the Real Madrid game against Deportivo 
a few weeks back where the the intensity right from the start of the match was there and they they scored very early on against Depor as well. And this is the thing with this Real Madrid B team is that they, they just blip other teams and you literally can't can't handle them. I mean, okay, the the so called B team has played away at uh Depor, Granada, Sporting, Leganes and Ibar. So it's not you know, it's not going to to the Mestaya or going to to La Real or to to the San Mames but against you know teams that any Madrid side should be beating but it's the way that they go about it and just how confident and dominant they are that's what really is well it's scary the fact that you have a 70 million rated Morata uh probably like 80 to well, okay maybe 60 to 80 million rated Hammers uh Asensio Isco even Lucas you know Lucas Vasquez okay he's kind of disappeared for for this second half of the season but he still came in and played a pretty key role and we quickly got Jack if five players there would quarter of a billion quid sitting on their ass <laughs> exactly um, and it, it's not that they've been bought okay with the exception of Hammers but it's not that they've been purchased for big money. They've just put themselves in a position where the type of talents they are. I mean, Asensio for me is just outstanding. Isco, I think, is one of, and I'm going to say, he's one of the best players in the world at the moment. Yeah, he's yeah. not He's not guaranteed his game. James, not his fault. He doesn't fit into this Madrid side. But when he does play for Colombia or anyone else, you know he's going to be a star. Vasquez, I mean... If you want the perfect substitute, come on. If Vasquez, it's fucking, it's, it's scary. Yeah. yeah. And then you've Morata, oh, just throw Morata there. I mean, okay, who's, uh, take Benzema off there. Who can we throw on? Uh, you know what? Morata. It's fucking mental. <laughs> exactly. And um, when you have Benzema coming on, who himself alone is worth more than Granada as a club, that, that just kind of says it all really, doesn't it? It's mental, mental. We've seen, you know, if if they were to do the double, the Champions League and La Liga, we were talking before about how this team, it's not really, you know, it's not going to go down in the history books as a a dominant team. It's not going to be remembered like Pep's Barcelona or like the Dream Team or even like Super Depor winning the 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 league. Or Valencia's um, UEFA Cup winning team. Oh, Madrid's Galactico era. Yeah. The, it doesn't have the same aesthetical appeasement towards it. It's not pretty to watch, but it's so damn effective. It's, exactly. It does, there has to be a better word. And it, it's just, it, it, it's so dominant in the way they play, the way they put teams to the swords, the way they hold on to it's. The way they don't, it, 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 the superior, you can just keep going and going and going. Can, like, as you said, Jack, they win the Champions League to become the first team in the modern era to do it. It's Real Madrid. As a club, you know, you can't deny, as a club, they don't deserve it because it's Real Madrid. But, as you said, as from um, a, a, a fan's remembrance of it, It'll only be fans around today who'll deny it. 50 years from now, the history books will just stay. No, no. These legends. Yeah. And I suppose at the same time, they are. They're, they're, they're creating a legacy. And, and th- that's that's the issue because it's not. it goes deeper than creating a legacy because there's been times this season where Madrid have been absolutely shocking, especially at the back, where they've been really, really poor. And there would have, there's been games where if they were playing better quality opposition when they were playing this poorly at the back, and they would have been in quite serious trouble. But because they are so effective when they go forward and so lethal, it it just hasn't made a difference. Jack, we leave the Madrid love in <laughs> next week. Yeah, no, no one can accuse us of being biased now. No, but Jack, we. Coming into the silly season now, the transfer speculation and one particular done deal slash hasn't been done just yet is 
Vicinius Jr. from Flamengo. Now, this kid is 16. And I, I'm seeing an awful lot of different um, monetary value being put on him. I'm seeing 60 million, 40 million for this 16-year-old. Now, we have a 15-year-old, and I'm looking at him going, where did I fuck up? <laughs> I mean, he's 16. I don't know if you've checked him out. Now, I've seen a couple of videos of him. He looks fantastic. I, I haven't really seen too much of him. Um, probably won't until he's actually coming to Madrid. I mean, I'm presuming he's going to gonna stay in Brazil until he's 18 and then, then come to Madrid. Well, I'd say, according to certain sources, that's the plan. Yeah. Because so, I don't think I don't think Madrid are going to do what they don't to Odegaard no. and bring him up. No, there's not a chance. This but this this lad is the real deal. We look at who could you compare him to? Um, okay, I'll give you an example. You look at Barcelona when we Neymar. You look at the Santos Neymar, the the YouTube Neymar. And he was when when you look at Neymar for Santos on YouTube, he's not the same player at Barcelona. He can't be. He just wouldn't get away with it. No. This lad this lad reminds me of Ronaldinho. That's how good this lad appears to be. Now what I've done is I've looked at him, I've looked at his tricks and all that and you go, okay, scale it back about half. He still looks pretty damn impressive, so Madrid seemed to have an absolute style on their hands. But it hasn't been official so we'll move on to something that has been official. Thiago Hernandez, Jack. Oh, do we really have to talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, are you, are you look, okay? Are you sad he's gone from, like, you, do you need him? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you reckon? Well, yeah, I mean, Felipe Luis is, um, he'll be 32 before next season starts. He's starting to get on a bit. I mean, okay, he... He's not really showing any signs of slowing down at the moment. But with players, when they get to that age, it can be a very quick decline. You know, some some players, they kind of steadily decline over a period of either years or months. But others, it can just be over a summer where they might get a muscle tweak during um, during preseason training and then never fully recover from it or just age generally takes over. And it's not so much that it's not so much that we're eventually going to need to replace Felipe Luis, but the fact that with the the transfer ban that is still currently in place, we now don't really have a backup left back. Well, I mean, we we didn't beforehand because obviously he was out on loan at, at Alaves, but the whole plan was that he he came back with first team La Liga experience and would then start to play. Uh, fairly heavy role in rotating with Felipe Luis as the as the left back whereas now we're left with his brother Lucas who can play, can play on the flanks but he's not as effective as when he's a center back so that that's my biggest issue with it is with the transfer ban that's still currently in place it's left quite a few holes in the squad particularly in the defense um, you know, even these past few weeks when you've had Juan Fran and Versalico out injured, uh, Jimenez picked up an injury, so that immediately left four defenders. Felipe Luis got in, Savage and Lucas. Got in, gets a red card at the weekend. We're down to three first-choice defenders. It's not really an ideal situation to be in when you're a team that's now used to playing in the latter stages of the Champions League and pushing the the duopoly of Madrid and Barcelona in the league. That's something that you'd associate with a, a smaller club. You know, someone like someone like Ibar who don't have the, the bigger squad and when injuries start to take their toll they can be a bit thin on the ground. Not with a club like Atleti. So that's that's one issue with it. Second issue is obviously him going to, to to Real Madrid. Exactly. What's that about? Breaking the 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 agreement pact that no players crossed between Atleti and, and Real. And, directly directly. Well yeah, think, direct, to be directly, fair. yeah. And it's 
It kind of feels like Barcelona one. There was there was um, reports the last couple of weeks slash months that Barcelona were interested in signing them. Obviously, I love him. I I actually rate the lad. I think the lad is brilliant. I really actually think he's brilliant. We have an, we've had an awful lot of Barcelona fans. Obviously, today, yesterday, with the news that he's going to Real Madrid, they're all coming out of shells, going, "We're good enough because look what he done to Vidal." Blah blah blah. Fuck off, would you? If he didn't mean, he didn't set out to do that. He's just a tough, tough tackler, and for me, that's what we need. So I'm not devastated he's gone to Madrid, but it would have been nice to have him. But what I am kind of annoyed about is the fact that he's an Atleti player going to Madrid. Obviously, it's not directly with the way they have to do it, but the cheeky bastards at Madrid, aren't they? Yeah. Um, actually, I, I feel quite sorry for Alaves in this situation because their season is starting to, to draw to a close and obviously they've got the, the Copper final coming up. So their attention will inevitably be drawn towards preparing for that. So then when you have a player who's as key as Teo Hernandez is to to them, to have him on a day off from training mm. go and complete a, a medical for Real Madrid, it kind of feels like he, he's just kind of disrespecting... I mean, the, this is what the Alavés pre- president said himself, that he's disrespecting the club by effectively going behind their back because they, they, they weren't told anything about this happening. Uh, it's all been done under the radar as quietly as possible which I mean fair enough because it has attracted a lot of split opinions and rightly so it's aggravated and angered Atleti fans and you know so it should really because this is a a young player whose father played for Madrid uh, for Atletico Madrid whose brother plays for Atletico Madrid they came through the youth youth system together and all because he had to spend a season in the the third tier with the B team whilst he was still very, very young and still learning his trade, he he then feels disrespected by the club and is looking to to move to the arch rivals. It it just doesn't add up. I mean, talking about how he's gonna fit in at Madrid, I think he, he will be a good signing for them. I think he's gonna offer them something different to Marcelo because Marcelo is a a player who he covers a lot of ground, but he he comes infield a lot more and joins the attacks kind of in and around the area by coming inside off the flank, whereas Teo is, is kind of the complete opposite of that. He gets up and down the byline a lot and keeps the width, which I think sometimes for, for Madrid, when they're playing with potentially attacking midfielders who would rather play centrally than play out on the wings, keeping that width to break teams down will be very essential. Um, especially with Gareth Bale, who has made it very public that he prefers to play centrally, so he always looks to come inside. Isco obviously prefers to play centrally. Hamez prefers to play centrally. Asensio doesn't really keep width that much. He... he pr- tends to prefer to, to come inside as well. So I think he, he'll offer them something very different, but it's going to be absolutely brutal for him whenever he, he has to has to visit Atleti for a Madrid derby. Jack, speaking of Atleti, is uh, Atleti eyeing anyone up? Uh, it's difficult to say because the, the transfer ban ruling that came out, um, what was it, uh, about... A year ago, something like that. Yeah, but Madrid got away with it, so, yeah. it, it, so it's, we, it's expected to use the so game as well. We find out um, the the decision from the Court of Arbitration of Sport on the thirty first of May. Um, it's kind of impossible to say anything until then, but I think well, I mean, obviously the club will be or will have already identified targets. And we'll be preparing for summer business as if the transfer ban will be lifted. Um, players that I'd like to come in, I think we, we need a, a backup left back. Um, someone who's going to be happy to not necessarily play second fiddle to 
to Felipe Luis, but someone who's happy to rotate and kind of bide their time a little bit, similar to what Vesalica did with Juanfran this season. Um, I think we need another central midfielder or two because you've got Gabi, Thiago and Augusto who, well, Augusto is still recovering from the cruciate ligament injury and is also kind of getting on the older side for a central midfielder who has to cover a lot of ground. And then obviously Thiago and Gabi are also kind of on the wrong wrong end. Um, I don't think Gabi will go in the summer, but Thiago is kind of inevitably going to be off. So I think a central midfielder and a backup left back key and then obviously a striker. Who would you like to see as a striker? Because Atleti have pulling power now. This uh, this is a, a bit of a left field choice, but I'd really like to see Sandro. What? Yeah, I think he'd I think he'd fit in quite well. Malaga Sandro. Yeah, yeah, Malaga Sandro. I mean, he's cheap, still fairly young, and he's a proven goal scorer. Alongside Griezmann. In an ideal world, yeah. Jesus, Jack. It's it's a left field choice, but I mean, left field and very economical. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, six, six million for Sandro is a bargain, but Gamiero hasn't worked out as hoped. It's okay. not his fault. No, it's not his fault. He scored, you know, the occasional hat trick and the occasional brace, but you know, on the whole, he hasn't worked out. He doesn't fit this system. He's struggled with injury as well this season. That hasn't really helped him to to adapt to Atleti's system and actually there was kind of a period in the first half of the season where it just seemed like him and Griezmann were getting in the way of each other because they're, they're fairly similar players and they, they just seem to be occupying the same space so I, I don't think Gamiero will be sold but I don't think he'll be first choice striker come next season Torres, it's. I'm still fifty-fifty on whether he he's going to be there next season or not. I, I'd like him to to be there for the new stadium, but he's he's not really having an impact that much anymore. Although there was that many revival from from him in February time, so I don't know. Well, Jack, if you think you have problems, you want to see what <laughs> we we as Barcelona fans have to put up with. We are linked to a handful of. Potential signings. One of them, Hector Bellerin. I'm, I'm not even going to get into it because I don't want them there. I think waste effect of money. Another waste of money is 90 million euro Coutinho. Coutinho for 90 million in the same sense. It's just, I personally, I, I, I hope it doesn't happen. I really, really hope it doesn't happen because we're looking to. I hate using the word replace, but we're looking to have a player who can make as much of an impact as Iniesta. And if they're willing to drop 90 million on Coutinho, there's something wrong at Barcelona's sport level. Or there's outside forces happening because you've got so many players in the world who, in my opinion, are... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting into the whole positional type you're either a fucking midfielder you're not you should be in a position at that type this level to play whatever role is expected of you especially for the wages you're being paid I, I'm not one of these to go oh he's a CM or CMR and I'm blah, 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 none of that shit if Coutinho was brought in for 90 million to replace Iniesta well he would want to shock everybody because I can't see it you've got Verratti we're linked to Verratti. There's a possibility Verratti may come. Verratti comes, I'm happy. Because Verratti's brilliant. He's a fantastic footballer. Lovely little bite about him. Little pit bull on the ball. But very elegant as well. But Coutinho, 90 million, Jack. You, as a, an Atleti supporter, Atleti put in 90 million for him. Are you scratching your head? Yeah, definitely. Uh, going back to, I mean, I, I know you don't really like the positional talk, but He's not a midfielder, full stop. He's an attacker. At Liverpool, he plays in a front three, and he's not going to displace any of Messi, Suarez. And you've got Paco Alcacer to come in when mm-hmm. when one of those is missing, and also Rafinha, who 
you know, is unfortunately injured at the moment. But he will be back. But he will be back. And when you're looking to replace a player like Iniesta, you don't immediately think of Coutinho or even a player similar to to Coutinho. You think of someone who who is actually a midfielder, not someone who's who's an attacker who kind of plays out on on the wing and drifts inside and has a bit of a free role like Coutinho does at Liverpool. So I, I'm really scratching my head at it because, like you said, there's better options out there. And not even like there's just a few better options. But there is, you know, you could name handfuls and handfuls of players who would be better can, suited to... Can I? Well, yeah, I mean... No, I mean, I mean, I'm at, yeah, well, there, see, now, look, forget Ferrati, Isco, 90 million, Isco, I mean, come on, Jack, with his current contract situation, why in God's name would Madrid turn that down? Well, I think regardless of his contract situation, if Barcelona were to turn around and offer 90 million for Isco, they'd take it. Fucking right, Isco, absolutely, Isco, I, 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 do you know what, I wouldn't even try to look beyond that. Bernardo Silva, maybe. Um, obviously, Verratti, but Royce, Marco Royce. But then again, yeah, you're looking at a player who's torn down so many clubs. He, why would he leave Dortmund? He loves Dortmund. And you have, you'd have the issue with injuries. Injuries as well. That's a lot of the, a lot of the players you seem to be looking at are injury prone, especially Coutinho. But oh God, Jesus, uh, I don't know. Jack, Jack, I'll probably jump across. <laughs> to Atleti if that happens, I, I just I, I don't want this. I, 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 it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It just well, doesn't. The, the other thing as well is that Coutinho really isn't a very effective player. You take away his his shots from outside the box and his free kicks, and he he doesn't really contribute that much. Which Neymar is me. Yeah, I know true. that sounds ridiculous. I know that sounds really you know um, almost immature, but. Neymar, the type of player he is, he's one of the most marketable players in the world. He is very, he's, he's a brilliant footballer. He's now at a club where he's tried to play hardball. He's sponsored by Nike. Messi isn't sponsored by Nike. Barcelona have just inherited nearly a billion quid from Nike. Surely to God, maybe I'm talking out of turn, maybe I'm talking absolute shite, but it would not surprise me if Neymar had a small bit of influence over this particular transfer. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, they, they, they've made their friendship very clear when playing together for Brazil. Um, I know, the, ha- the hand gestures call me. I mean, who's he asking to call? Yeah. But tell you, fuck, I'll tell you, this is where I would love to be on the Barcelona board. Because this is where I'd be fired. <laughs> No, it, but the, it, the, it, it's it's insane. Coutinho, it, it just doesn't make sense. And what else have we got knocking around? Oh, we've got, of course, we've got Gareth Bale wants to go to Man United. Oh, that has, has that rumour come back around? Yeah, I've, ju- I've, ju- I've just seen, I'm just online here, it's just popped up 50 minutes ago. Um, Bale has told Perez he's, he's leaving. <laughs> I'm sure Perez would happily accept that. Fucking sure. But any other major transfers coming in? Um, oh, there's um, Balotelli to Las Palmas. Wow, yes. Now, see, that's what, that's why I love Las Palmas. Because you think about it. They've had Hesse, who could have easily went to any major club in Europe. You had uh, Kevin Bins, Browning, again... Okay, he's waned a bit, but he could have went to any major club. What's the story, Jack? Did you all seem to want to play play for Las Palmas? I mean, I I can imagine the the location has quite a big pulling factor. You know, Canary Islands always sunny, good temperature all year round, and it's a a fun place to live, especially if you're someone like. Balotelli, Balotelli or Hesse or Kevin Prince-Bertang who likes to, to kind of get up to mischief as it were um, it, like, it's always a risk signing Balotelli because you don't know which version of him is going to turn up if it's the version that's been at Nice this season then okay. it, it would be an incredible signing if it's 
one of the the younger iterations of Balotelli where he he gets a bit overwhelmed by it all and just is a downright idiot, which is perfectly plausible given the the island's reputation and his friendship with Kevin Prince Bertang from their time at AC Milan together. So it it'll either end up end up being an absolute horrendous disaster or it will go amazingly well and Balotelli will score between 15 and 20 goals next season. It just all depends on what version turns up. Well, I tell you, Jack, we leave the transfers. I'm going to throw out a couple of upcoming games the weekend. Jack, I'm looking at Athletic versus Leganes first. What do you reckon there? It's a big game. It's a big game for both both teams. It's it's yeah, one of the games that means something to both teams, which is very rare coming to to the end of the season. Now, I mean, Athletic are just so good at home, aren't they? They're, <laughs> they're really, really dominant at home. So I I can't see anything but an Athletic win there. With Aber versus Spartan, the reason I brought this up was because not. Last week, week before, I was watching Abar playing Leganes, and Abar basically fielded a fairly, fairly B-teamed esque, and they gave Leganes as much opportunity as he could before the main man Sergi Enrique came on and put them to bed. But what do you reckon there, Jack? You reckon Abar do the same? Mm, potentially. You reckon um, Spartan and under Ruby and his massively attacking philosophy will just go for it and put five forwards up front. I mean, what the fuck is he doing? He screwed them up. He has screwed them up. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a draw. I mean, Sporting, it's really strange because when they won at the weekend, um, obviously they, they won 1-0, they didn't really go crazy or anything. They just kind of were just like, oh yeah, great, another three points. Like, that three points could be huge in them staying mm-hmm. up. And at that time, they were potentially, because obviously the, the Leganes against Betis match hadn't been played. But they, they just kind of seem like the, they've accepted relegation now, which I find really bizarre considering that they still have a, a relatively decent chance mm-hmm. with only two games to go. It's, Look, it's, again, we'd assume Athletic are going to beat Leganes based on the fact that Athletic will want to get as high up the table as possible as to avoid the Europa League playoffs because nobody wants that so they've got something big and plus as you said at home they're I think they're only seconds to Barcelona and Sevilla for the home front so 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 Spartan have everything to absolutely play for there exactly and Abar just sitting there I don't think Abar give a shit if if they win this weekend, the the difference is cut to, to two points, potentially, two points. going into the final game of the season. So it's perfectly doable, and yet they they just seem all miserable. It's, it's really bizarre. I'll tell you another one, Jack. Obviously, Barcelona travelled to Las Palmas. It's not going to be any trouble for Barcelona, is it, this one? No, Las Palmas this season is, is well and truly over, and it has been for, for quite some time there. They're really just kind of limping towards the end of the season now. And actually, um, in managerial news, um, obviously Kike Setien is no is not going to be there next season. Um, Peter Lim has rejected him as new boss at Valencia. Apparently, he's rejected them. Yeah, supposedly. Um, supposedly the sporting director and president flew over to Singapore to discuss the selection of Kike Setien as the next Valencia manager and um, Peter Lim wasn't very impressed with their decision so now they're going all up for Marcelino instead Ooh, Marcelino well Varro definitely has stated he will not be in the hot seat next yeah. season he yeah. is going back to the Winston Wolf role where he, <laughs> he sorts out problems but um, arguably the game the weekend is Madrid versus Sevilla now this could have massive implications for Madrid and Barcelona and us, obviously Sevilla as well because they'll want to finish the season on the high. Madrid obviously are going to have a seriously tough game away to Atleti tomorrow, tonight. Mm-hmm. 
whenever time you listen to this, <laughs> this this could make or break a lot of Barcelona and Madrid season. This could be this could be it. Yeah, uh, if if Madrid are gonna drop points, at it's all here, isn't it? This season, well, this running, it's gonna be here. Uh, if it was at the if it was at the Sanchez Pizjuan, I probably would have been more confident of Sevilla getting a result. But you just don't know what Sevilla's going to turn up. Well, um, other than other than the performance against Atleti, they've been pretty decent away from home. Sevilla. I mean, yeah, they they yeah. they've really put it up to every team they played. I mean, the Atleti games. Yeah, at the time you could have caught no. It wasn't an anomaly because Atleti put to the sword, but it had been earlier in the season. He'd been looking at going freak result. Oh yeah. Maybe, exactly. maybe this this is the this is the game where Sam Pali nods his hat to Lenig and goes, you know, you'll miss me. Well, I'm hoping he does that. <laughs> well, I mean, it would provide a very entertaining end to it, wouldn't it? Um, I I'm gonna go for a draw. Yeah, well, let's take a draw, and then a draw next week, and a draw the week after. <laughs> well, look, Jack, obviously, before we go, two, 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 two other games left. Are Atleti going to do it tomorrow? I, I think it'll be a 2-1 Madrid win. Oh, yeah, you are actually going with a defeat at home. Yep. Oof. It's just, there's something about this Madrid side under Zidane that Simeone just can't seem to, to figure out. It's like, ever since the... Ever since the Champions League final in Milan, there's just something about Zidane's Madrid that he seems to kind of have won one over Simeone. Kind of going off on a tangent here, but the the first leg defeat was by far and away more humiliating than the three nil league defeat at the Calderon earlier on in the season because the the league defeat only came. Well, it was only so heavy because Simeone made the decision to, to replace Gabby when it was 1-0 to really go for it and try and get something out of the game. But last Tuesday, it was just so flat and abject and kind of seemed like Atleti, for the first time under Simeone against Real Madrid, accepted that they were inferior to, to Real Madrid and accepted that they were going to get beat. It seemed like they'd kind of weathered the storm a little bit about thirty minutes into it, and coming up to the uh, coming up to half time when Atleti grew into the game a little bit, but still then it it just kind of looked like Atleti weren't likely to concede, not that they were likely to score, and it was so so poor and so embarrassing. So the least that I can ask is to to at least salvage some of that by actually going for it tomorrow night. And getting beaten. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be inevitable that Madrid score. And then, purely because Atleti do have to really go for it and really attack, it's going to leave gaps. And, you know, like we said, Madrid are just deadly and lethal and will punish you. Now, last week, Jack, we seen a fairly abysmal performance from Celta Vigo. I was actually incredibly disappointed with them. Can you see them doing anything on Thursday? I I think I can, to be honest. I mean, they weren't anything like we've seen them this season. They looked scared and frightened and just kind of overwhelmed by the occasion. And they weren't like a typical Barizzo Celta side. They, they weren't pressing high. They weren't being aggressive. They weren't challenging for every 50-50. And it was, it was actually quite similar to the Madrid derby in the sense where the Celta players kind of not necessarily knew that this United side were technically, well, in on paper, superior than them, but they they just seemed to get overwhelmed by the occasion of a European semi-final. And, OK, Sergio Alvarez made some really good saves to keep them in it, but United didn't actually look that threatening. And had it not been for, for that lapse of concentration from from Sergio Alvarez, it probably would have been heading to Old Trafford with a nil-nil draw, which if you're in Salter's position, that would have been fantastic because you know that an away goal kills the tie. So 
I I reckon Celta will nick it 1-0 and take it to extra time. Yeah, we leave that on a positive note. I think they'll do it too. Jack, until next week, Chief. It's been a pleasure. As always.